Hello again, and welcome back to the Fear and Beer podcast, where we talk all things horror, horror nights, and just a dash of beer. I'm Nick. And I'm Seamus. Alright, welcome back to the Fear and Beer Podcast. This is episode four. I'm Nick. I'm Seamus. And before we get started off, I just want to say thank you to everyone that's actually listened. I didn't really think it would take off, or maybe it even hasn't taken off yet, but the numbers for us seem pretty cool that this many people are listening, whether it's just friends, family, or even people that stumble upon us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Spotify, all those different platforms that we have. It's pretty cool to see that we've got some traction, I guess, so to speak. From all the things I've seen on our social media so far, it's pretty cool to get the comments that we've been getting. Shout out to those that have left us messages and comments saying that you like the podcast. Um, keep keep li- listening to it, rating us, and you know thumbs th- thumbs up all our episodes. It's the only way it'll really push us in their algorithm. So the more people that listen, the more people that like it, the more it'll get pushed to other people that are looking for this type of thing. So wanted to say thanks to all y'all. Yeah. So a couple of things that we've uh, you know been working on. So if you couldn't tell from our first three podcasts, we've just been doing it on a single mic, uh, USB style. So we finally figured a way out. This is all new to us, but we finally figured a way to connect two mics. So we're actually recording like a real podcast should be, I guess, so to speak. Yeah. It won't sound like we're passing the mic back and forth anymore. Yeah. And it'll we a little bit less, you know, call and answer type type deal. But yeah, yeah. It'll be it'll be nice to kind of like, you know, if he says something, I can just butt in. Yeah. Not as much. Versa. And what do you think about that? moves mic yeah oh yeah <laughs> so we'll see this is um definitely a step in the right direction and we're definitely trying to work out we're gonna probably try and get some new mics soon just so we can cut down on all, all those really annoying s pops p pops and stuff yeah, like once that we get more professional yeah we're really is, amateur still this is just two guys recording in a bedroom on laptops using audacity <laughs> so <laughs> it's just pretty much a uh just something to kill time for us to do while we're waiting for horror nights to start up Right, so part of this podcast, like we've said before, uh, there is a beer element to it. So today, I'm drinking what's called Ghost in the Machine by Parish Brewing. They are a brewery outside of Louisiana, or in Louisiana, excuse me, uh, Broussard, Louisiana. I actually haven't had them before. This apparently is kind of like their flagship IPA. It's a double, unfiltered. It's supposed to be really, really good. So I'm going to give this one a whirl and see what happens. Nick's just drinking a Wachusett. Wachusett blueberry, baby. Yeah, that's, that's, that, that, that could be, well, I don't know, blueberry, is that fall? I don't eh, know. I, I drink this all year round, so this one's not as themed for today. Maybe I'll try and find a way to cue it in at some point, but for me, this is just my overall favorite beer from back home. Wachusett's it's a brewery from a couple towns over from where I live, and a couple weeks ago, I drove up to, or I flew up to Connecticut and drove my friend down who just moved down to Orlando as well. And since I was driving to Florida, I got to actually take a couple cases of local beers back home with me. So that was really, really cool. Yeah, watch this. It's good stuff. Uh, you can find it, I think, in like if anywhere in the Northeast. Yeah. Like I don't know how far it distributes, but it's it's pretty good. Yeah. Now, granted, everybody knows that like if you're a beer drinker, there isn't like millions of beers that theme around Halloween and, and horror and all that good stuff. Some will be a stretch. So we're gonna try our best to try to theme it, but. I don't know. I like drinking beer, so I may just bring something random in one day. You never know what I what I might find. Yeah, yeah. So before we get started with what we're going to discuss this episode, which 
we're going to get into the icons of Halloween Horror Nights Pass. We're going to kind of go down the list in chronological order, kind of give a quick little bio about each one. If you've frequented these events and you've, you know, consider yourself a Horror Nights buff, then this might not be the episode that you need to listen to. And for us, because like we said, we're, you know, somewhat new to the event as well, this is going to be more for us to really dive into these characters so we have a better understanding as well. Before that, though, I want to talk about some rumors and some news that kind of broke a couple days ago for us. We're recording this on Sunday, so by the time this drops on Friday, that news could be debunked or proven accurate. I'm expecting some Horror Nights news shortly just because it seems like we're getting closer and closer. The parks have been opening and I actually went the other day and it seemed pretty pretty good the way they are social distancing people. So they're on the right track of things. So this event shouldn't be in any jeopardy, yeah. so to speak. My family and I, we went, my wife and I took our kids to Universal when they did the soft opening for the pass holders. And it was actually pretty well done as far as I could tell. Um, with uh, how they did the social distancing and things like you said. So it's good that you went on a day when they actually did yeah. full opening to see what it was like. Uh, I can't imagine just from my own point of view that even with a full open theme park, it's going to be as busy as it would be normally just because of the fact that there's still a lot of people that aren't going to make the trip because they're not going to risk it. They're not going to say, you know, we can always do it next year. Um, so even with Halloween Horror Nights this year, I don't, I could potentially see this year kind of be not dead, but not anywhere near the levels of, you know, visitors that we see in you know years past. Yeah, sometimes you got to risk it for the biscuit, baby. <laughs> well, that's by the way I look at it, but you know, we live twenty minutes from there, so yeah, it's a lot easier for us to just stones throw away, head over there. All right, so these rumors that just came out a couple of days ago, there's a handful of them. I'm not sure. I believe they kind of surfaced on some of the discussion boards. From I haven't seen these yet. So yeah, some, some reputable, reputable sources. There we go. Spit that one out. So we'll kind of go down the list. I think Seamus heard about one. Yeah, so but, one yeah. thing I read, and I think it came from a couple different sources, uh, and this is, these are like actual, I don't know the exact web page that it was on, but it, these are, I think, stories coming from just interviews with the park itself. Uh, Universal is probably going to start limiting the number of people that can get in day to day, and I think they already have been. And we can only assume that if that's the case, come September, I, my guess is that they'll do the same for all of their additional events, Halloween Horror Nights being one of those. So... Just as a recommendation from us, if you are planning on going to it, obviously if you're local, it's probably a little bit easier for you because you can kind of just pick and choose what day to go. But if you're someone that, like us, gets a frequent fear pass and wants to go three or four nights a week, you want to make sure you keep an eye out and buy them as soon as they go on sale because they're probably only going to limit so many of those to so many people. Like I said before, I don't think this year is going to be a heavy trafficked event with people from out of state but it may mean more people from in-state are going to take the opportunity to come. So just make sure you look for those when they go on sale because they may sell out quick. Yeah, and one of the things that I saw and heard about for keeping people in you know, sort of groups, so to speak, is there's going to be, I guess, an app. The app is pretty much going to dictate what you're going to do and see that day. So if you get the Fear Express or that fast pass so to speak it's going to open up the app for you to actually pick which ones you want to go to if you just have the freaking fear pass and you don't pick that express pass jack is going to actually take over the app and kind of control your night yeah you're going to select you're going to select a a couple attractions you know either shows or rides that you would like to get done and 
it's going to assess the groups, so to speak, and try and plan the, the night for you. The I guess the overall theme of it is Jack is taking over your night, and there's nothing you can do about it. So That's pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, from a frequent fear pass perspective, it's cool for us. I feel for the people that don't have the ability to come every night, or if they're out of town, they only get one night, then they're kind of either, you know, shit out of luck or they have to shell out a couple hundred bucks because that that um express pass is not going to be yeah cheap. so i think that like so one thing we were talking about before we started recording was that for me i think there might be a decision made by universal to say let's take our big houses that we were going to have this year like our quote-unquote uh, stranger things house and maybe push them for next year. And the reason I say that they might do that is because if they are going to limit the number of people that can get in, why waste a house or waste a, a theme on something that you're not going to have the level of guests that you're going to have this year? I don't want to say it's going to happen, but there is an op- there is a chance or an opportunity that that could happen. So if they do something like this, it could be a lot of internal stuff, a lot of like their own yeah. stories, and then you kind of just you know, Jack tells you where you got to go. Yeah. It's very, yeah. it would make for an interesting, for an interesting, uh, event, I think. Yeah. It's definitely a, um, a tight balancing act that they're going to have to pull here because obviously with all the construction that they're still going to do and all that nonsense, all the marketing is still going to cost the same amount of money on their end to get the event out. But now they're limited on how much money gets to come in. So no pun intended, they're going to jack up the prices. I would assume probably going to, see a little bit of a hike in the tickets. I don't I don't know if it'll be extreme, but it'll definitely be like you said, they may have to I don't know. They may have to hike, just hike like up that. those prices yeah. a little bit. Yeah, just to especially those express passes because if somebody that is only coming once, then they're gonna want to get through every house and if they don't buy that option they're there's no way they're gonna be able to get through to all the different houses via virtual lines and stuff like yeah. that. Especially if, you know, so on so Jack is taking over your night and just kinda telling you where you're going. So that was one of the rumors that was kind of put out. I'm not sure exactly how credible it is. It seems like a pretty big leap of technology. I don't know if they have the capabilities to you know, create that, instill it, and then have it run in a couple months without any error. So maybe we get something like that, but not to the full extent that um, they explained. So time will tell on that one. We'll see. A couple of the other rumors that popped out, I guess the Beetlejuice house is supposedly confirmed or even more confirmed than it had been. So that wasn't really a big shocker there because we had seen that on the maps before twice. It's been talked about a lot. So we discussed Beetlejuice House in the past a couple times. So that doesn't seem like a huge surprise. Yeah, it's an IP that we kind of assumed would be would be there to begin with anyways. So Yeah, and then the secret IP. So all that stuff that we discussed last week, we kind of threw a bunch of different potential IPs out there. I guess what is going to be put in there or you know, rumor, rumor has it, uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre is going to be coming back to Horror Nights to fill that secret IP slot. Yeah, so we were kind of right. Yeah, we, we, we kind of... We did mention that yeah. Leatherface would be in a house, just yeah. not necessarily in his own house. Yeah, we talked about, like, a big slasher thing, and, and for me, it's... I, I don't... It doesn't make too, too much sense for me. I know he's a big icon, but I don't think he trumps Freddy Krueger, Jason, Michael. That's just a personal opinion. No, you're right. I don't think he does either. I think he's... For a horror icon, he's less of an icon than Michael Myers. He's less of an icon than Freddy. Now... To play devil's advocate, Michael has been done to death. Yeah, no pun intended. Yeah, no, he does. Like they done him a lot. Freddie would be kind of yeah. cool to see, but to me, if you're looking for just that mindless slasher, yeah. 
you know, it's not a bad option. I mean, you could make it less about just Leatherface and kind of make it about his family. Yeah, too, and so. that's, I was kind of leaning towards if we saw one of the slashers, we would see all of them. I guess that was just wishful thinking because I, I get it. They're not going to probably be spending as much money on licensing and stuff like that and building based off the fact that they're not going to be able to get as much capital back. But I figured if we got one, we'd get a, a handful of them. And it seemed like if they just picked one, Leatherface wasn't high on my list. But I'm not, you know, disappointed with it. I still love that story. That house is going to be really good. They've done the houses in the past that were really, really creepy and cool. So if that is in fact true, I'm excited for that. It's something slightly a little bit different, but it's uh, it'll work. That's for sure. Yeah, no, I'm 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 actually kind of excited for that. If that if that were to happen, I mean, granted, this is coming from someone that, like I said, has only ever been Horror Nights once so far, but you know, yeah, it's going to be good. So the other little rumors that kind of revolve around the overall theme, somebody had said that we're going to kind of evolve from the eighties theme and adopt a potential nineties theme, which I guess makes sense. Horror night started in 91. So to encompass the first couple of years of horror nights is going to be a, um, you know, reminiscent of when it started when I was at universal the other day, they had a lot of merch and a lot of stuff out there with all that old, you know, 90s style theme for Universal. They have a bunch of shirts and uh, cooling towels and stuff like that with the, you know, rides of history past with Jaws, King Kong, um, Earthquake, all that stuff. And I had that old logo they were selling. I actually got one as a neon blue bucket hat. So uh, <laughs> 90s cool. is screaming already through their merch. So I guess if that's the direction they're going in, it makes sense because it's already kind of out there for their yeah shops. i mean if, if that's what i mean i didn't really have the time or didn't really take much time when we went to look at this the, the shops in depth but yeah if, it, if there's a bunch of 90s stuff being put out i mean it's pretty a good thing to assume that maybe they will theme something around the 90s yeah and i mean i'm wearing jorts as we speak so it's kind of <laughs> i'm pretty excited for that as well one last little thing uh the universal blog has been posting a lot of stories that revolve around Cary, ohio They had one for Meets Meat and one for Twisted Tradition, which was taken from the Harvest Scare Zone that we talked about from a couple years ago. It's pretty interesting that they're, you know, all the stuff that they're putting out themselves is revolving around that Cary, Ohio, because that tagline from Legendary Truth House that we potentially were getting originally was Cary, Ohio, and then version two came out and they dropped the Cary, Ohio tagline. But it seems like we're definitely going to be getting Cary, Ohio at some point, so is that house going to be a Cary, Ohio house? Are they dropping the legendary truth? Is Cary, Ohio going to be kind of an overall theme as well with that whole nineties theme, you know, the nineties theme, I feel like is just music and, and merchandising and stuff like that. You know, is Cary, Ohio going to be a setting for the majority of these houses and stuff like that? I know that a lot of different icons and stuff can tie in with Cary, Ohio from there. We're talking Cindy Kane and the caretaker and stuff like that. So it's all, kind of encompassed in that Cary, Ohio, which has a lot of tradition. We, we talked about that a couple weeks ago. This is something that could be interesting as maybe a, if it's going to be a house or a scare zone, we're kind of left wondering because it hasn't been on any speculation maps besides version one. And it's, it's coming to us in some way, shape or form, I'd say just based off of the fact that they're putting out these yeah, my, know, I mean, diatribes. My, my guess that like everything's kind of been fluid since the whole COVID thing started. So, I mean, it could be that let's go back you know, let's just rethink what we were going to do and let's go back and do stuff that we already know, you know, so if, you know, maybe they are going to theme the whole thing around Carrie. 
Yeah. You never, be, you, you never really, you never know. And plus, it would kind of reach back for the 30 years because it's like, hey, you know, we've been doing this, you know, this town in Ohio, and it, everything's been themed around that to a point. But we've had, you know, houses here and houses there. But now, let's say, maybe we've just haven't had the time to really get a lot of these major IPs yeah. ready to go for this year. So now we're gonna say, let's just go reach back into our pocket and say, let's bring everything we everyone knows and loves from our history and you know you never know it could, yeah. just, it could come up that way too. i'm all i'm all for it because i am a sucker for the ips that i hold near and dear to my heart they're really fun to kind of walk through but from that creative aspect i love just reading these stories and you know being introduced to to new things to new stories you know, this would be they would work great as movies if universal ever did like a whole actual movie set with a couple of these icons give them actual horror icon style movies that would be great but I just I love that whole storytelling aspect of the original stories and the fact that they're putting out these long almost biographies of, you know, certain thing, you know, meets meet. That whole story right there was a cool little you know, way to kind of bring us into Horror Nights without already bringing us there. So, I'm expecting to see that in some way shape or form. Yeah, I mean, what Nick's talking about, I know he mentioned it, but on the blog, Universal's blog, you said their head writer or one of the writers that works for them? I believe yeah, one of their I think it's one of the Horror Nights writers. So they've been writing like full like narratives of some of these characters. So like you can read a whole character. Like right now you can read a whole narrative about Mr. Sam Meets, the guy who owns Meets Meets in Cary, Ohio. It's really cool. I actually, he just showed it to me today. So I'm going to go home and probably read a bunch of it just to kind of get a sense for some of these characters. But I think, you know, that it's a cool idea. And it might mean nothing. It might just be that he's just, they want to just bring just us bored. back. And yeah, they could just bore. They want stuff to do. But it could also be a little bit of a hint. You never know. Yeah, I believe this guy, the guy that writes it, uh, Patrick Braillard, I believe it is. I'm not sure exactly, but he's one of the show directors for their creative team. So he's kind of been diving into the Horror Nights aspect of things. So now to get to what this episode is actually going to be about, besides just kind of shooting out, yeah, those random rumors that we've heard, we're still left with no concrete evidence of what's going to happen. We're hoping this week that we'd get some some news, but uh, we're still left waiting. I'm thinking... I'm hoping that this week or the next coming weeks we get something, being that the parks have been open for a while, but we'll just wait and see. 91 was when you know this event started. It wasn't Horror Nights then, it was Fright Nights, uh, but they opened up with all the Universal Monsters kind of as their icons. So they had Frankenstein's Monster, Bride of Frankenstein, Wolfman, The Mummy, Gilman, Count Dracula. Those were kind of you know the overseers the icons so to speak yeah they weren't yeah they weren't the icons that we know you know we know our icons as more of a universal property that they created you know they own the obviously the universal monsters but it's not something that they created for this event so we're kind of going to wash those ones away we're not going to spend a ton of time on those i mean you guys all kind of know the universal monsters especially since you play all horror buffs anyways but um if I had to pick a favorite, my favorite's probably Wolfman. Yeah, I I love the Gill Man. I don't know why, I just do. Yeah, I mean, he's he's definitely a unique character, and I love going back and watching those old movies. Yeah. And like, it's clearly a dude in a rubber suit. Yeah. Just, but it's just it's so just something so simple about it. Yeah. That it makes works. it so awesome. It's what started it for us. All right, so we'll start with because obviously those were kind of a throwaway for us. We're gonna go to Horror Nights Five, and that's where we got our first actual icon so to speak, that's the Crypt Keeper. So now, just to backtrack a little bit, 
we're going to do kind of what we did last week. We're going to go go through each one of these, kind of give a little bio. You know most of them at this point, but for the people that haven't, or just for our own sake, just to kind of dive into their story a little bit and get us excited even more, we're going to dive into their bios, maybe what they could be inspired by, what they kind of remind us of. And then we're going to say, not likely, likely, or very likely that we're going to see these or any of these at the upcoming event, whether it be in a house, a scare zone, in some capacity. So let's dive into the Crypt Keeper. Yeah, I mean, the Crypt Keeper, we all kind of know who he is. I mean, he's like, to me, he's like, as, as if I go back in, 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 in just my thoughts and things that I remember as a kid growing up, the Crypt Keeper was always like, he was that thing that you never really got to watch much because your parents were super protective and they didn't let you watch things that looked scary. But, you know, when I could sneak some of the stuff and watch it behind their backs, don't tell them I said that. <laughs> um, you know, the Crypt Keeper always one of the first things that came up. And that was that really kind of like, for me, it was that stepping stone from, you know, growing up watching Goosebumps and Are You Afraid of the Dark to getting into more adult-ish horror. And I know that Crypt Keeper isn't exactly like, it's not that be-all, end-all of you know, scary horror, but the idea of having different stories and having an amalgamation, like creep show, that type of thing, you know, for me, he kind of reminds me of that type of horror back in the nineties. And that could yeah. me, that's kind of just like one of the things I remember. I mean, I know that I don't know exactly his entire history. I know that he, I think he may have started in comics. I think there was a comic run with the Crypt Keeper. I don't know. For, yeah, I don't know his whole history. Sure. I don't know his whole origin. Yeah. So if, if, if you actually look it up, you can actually see it. Uh, he, he was a host of what EC Comics once had. They're old horror stories from EC Comics. And funny story is that, you know, if you go back and, and, and listen to some of Stephen King's interviews, Stephen King says all the time that he was greatly influenced by a lot of EC Comics and a lot mm-hmm. of those early Tales from the Crypt type stuff. Yeah. Uh, obviously, he was he predates the Tales from the Crypt a little bit, but EC Comics have been around forever. But yeah, they they had an HBO show called Tales from the Crypt. And that's what I remember seeing. And obviously, we didn't have HBO back in the day. You had to like, actually physically like have the, the channel like you had to have actually have the channel like activated you can't just say let me download the hbo app and watch yeah. tales of the crypt it's not that easy not like that not, it wasn't like that back then but my dad had a black box which yeah. essentially is a uh, a box for those that are really young it was a the box the fbi is gonna come and track <laughs> yeah, us don't, down don't say anything loud, they're gonna but... find my napster account <laughs> <laughs> but the box essentially would give you access to all the channels and HBO was one of them. And I remember seeing it a few times back then, but either way, I, I again, I don't know his entire history, but he was kind of like the, he's the one icon from that era that kind of sticks in your mind. I know there was a vault keeper and an old witch too, yeah. but the crypt keeper is kind of like, yeah, he stands out, stands out. I don't know. Yeah. So when he was the icon at five, they kind of gave him again, something that we talked about previously, the dungeon of terror that was, found on that version 2 speculation map they kind of gave that to him and they just renamed it as Crypt Keeper's Dungeon of Terror so he kind of got to put his spin on the first house that started it all but after that he's appeared a, a couple times since he's been back he was in 2010 and then when he was at the um, Horror Nights 25 so it seems like every big milestone event he kind of resurfaces so it makes sense that we would see him at some point I would I would assume I know Hollywood has had a creep show house, and that's something that has also been speculated for Orlando for a couple different times throughout this whole waiting process to see what's going to happen. Do I think we're going to get a creep show house at this point? It, I, I would say that that's likely as well, just based off of the fact that you know Hollywood had the Universal monsters and then Orlando got it. 
So it seems like Hollywood is kind of like the a sample, like a testing sample, so to speak. And being that, I'm going to run with those rumors again, just just because if we do the whole '90s theme, Crypt Keeper makes sense. It fills that nostalgic void. You don't want like an updated version of. I want to look like really crappy, like Robo, like Tronic. I want to see like a really bad. Oh, I'm keeper. sure they could pull something off from the from the you know annals of their history. They yeah, could, I'm sure they've got an old working animatronic or something they yeah. could pull up. I don't want like a new version. I want the crappy one that like the head creaks slowly and just. Doot, doot, doot. <laughs> That's all I want. I don't want it to be up to speed on things. Yeah, if they were to bring him back, I'd be kind of be kind of cool. I, I'd give him a house. Yeah, at some point, <laughs> I, I, I would say for Crypt Keeper, just based on the fact that you know he was the first essential icon. The fact that he's been back at 20 and 25, I think it's very likely that we see Crypt Keeper yeah. at some point. I think it's almost a guarantee yeah. we'll see him at some, in, some, in some way. Even if it's just like a nod. Right. If He might not have, even if he doesn't have a scare zone or a house, I'm no. sure he'll play some part You never know. It. And like you said, the, the, as of right now, the speculation map did have a... Horror, so. Dun- Dungeon of Terror. Dungeon of Terror, excuse me. Um, yeah, so... Yeah, I mean, so maybe we if see that him actually in does that happen, he might, he might be in that house. Mm-hmm. So after the Crypt Keeper in 95, we don't get an icon until 99, which was Emotep the Mummy. From the movie The Mummy. From the movie. Well, we're not going to spend time on that as much because it's just, no, I because think. because if you haven't seen the Brendan Fraser Mummy, yeah. don't listen to our podcast. Yeah, yeah. I'm just kidding. I'm just yeah. kidding. Please listen to our podcast. <laughs> yeah. But go watch the movie because. Especially yeah. Brendan Fraser. Right. So you're out there. You're Brendan Fraser. Mummy I know you're four. not doing shit. Mummy 4, Brendan Fraser, please. But. Yeah, that coincided with the movie. Um, I think The Mummy came out in 99. It did. Yeah, Horror Nights was 99 when he yeah. was there, so it was just kind of a promotional right. And remember, shtick. I mean, The Mummy is a universal property, so it made sense that they were like, let's just bank on the fact that we had a movie come out. Yep, yep. I mean, they only built a ride, what, three, five years later? Yeah. Here is when we start to get into the interesting characters, so to speak. At Horror Nights 10, I believe it was, 2000, that's when we first got introduced to what we view as those icons. Our first icon, essentially, was Jack the Clown. So they have a long, long history of Jack the Clown. You can kind of look it up if you'd like to hear more. But we're just going to kind of dive in quickly and, and try and sum up this character. So if you have no idea who he is or what he looks like, I don't know why you'd be listening because you obviously do, but benefit of the doubt if you haven't seen him obviously he's just this weird little jaded up clown he's got the white face the big long curly orange hair those awesome yellow teeth he's a clown yeah he's a clown clowns are terrifying he yeah and that's kind of where he was based off of he was kind of taken out of that whole fear of clowns and drove into yeah he's not a clown from outer space like we saw last year (laughs) no definitely not so he's got a long long story i'm going to try and sum it up as best i can and forgive me if i mess parts up but essentially he was born in a like a rest home or something like that and fell into a circus. So with Jack, he is just had he's had a couple different stints with various circuses, insane asylums, all that stuff. And they kind of intertwine him into horror nights over the past couple of years, whether he is there to kind of take over the event because he has you know his character is that he has a very large ego. He doesn't like to be upstaged. So he kind of tries to take it over at some point. He has appeared um, a handful of times throughout the years. Actually, I think he's one of the most used ones. If I went down the list, there's got to be at least you know 10 or 15 times where Jack kind of pops up. 
at our events either to host them, either has a scare zone or some sort of maze in that aspect. He's also, he resembles a lot to me, uh, Joker from Batman. He has kind of that, you know, Jack and Harley Quinn relationship with uh, Chance, I believe it was. So they kind of have a, a history themselves. But it, it kind of gives me that reminiscent feeling of the old yeah, he's, Batman he's Joker. Kind of like that whole idea of that. Obviously, if you, if you if you go into the backstory of like the Joker from DC, I mean, he's kind of like there really isn't a there. There's a backstory, but there really isn't a backstory. You really don't know what the backstory is, other than the fact that he's just a psychotic clown who wants to see everybody burn or murder as many people as he can. So, again, I'm one of those that I didn't really know much about. Jack until I started reading up about him for this podcast specifically and he kind of is like Universal's first real Horror Nights icon obviously but yeah, one of their creations really yeah I mean he's like their like, their first real creation I guess is the best way I can put it I don't want to say he's like a he started in Orlando right like this yeah. is like a, this isn't one that started with Hollywood this is like an Orlando yeah, this original is, this is an Orlando and it's just it's interesting I would I would suggest going to read up on him because his story goes yeah, I mean, pretty, pretty long so much for him that like I mean his Wikipedia page is Gigant, ginormous. <laughs> it's just all about him starting the circus, joining a circus, finding this guy. Uh, I think it's Doctor Oddfellow or something like that. He used to run the circus. Jack ends up finding him, killing him, taking over the circus, and kind of wearing this crown or cane or something like that that mm-hmm. grants you Everlife. And then at that point, they kind of intertwine his story into Horror Nights and how he comes about to actual Horror Nights. It's interesting how they do these with yeah, these characters. Yeah, because he's, I mean, he's, he's shown up, obviously, at 2000 was the first time we saw him in Horror Nights 10. He was back again for the next one in Horror Nights 11, and then we saw him again come back 2006 for 16. Yeah. Um, he was back again for 17. Yeah, he floats so, around So he, he definitely, they bring him back quite a bit, or they brought him back quite a bit. Yeah, this is... I'm just going to go out and say that this is somebody that we're going to see again this year. Chances are, yeah. You're going to, I mean, my guess is that because it's the 30th, you're going to see a bunch of these icons. Yeah. And obviously, Jack the Clown will be the leader. Yeah. <laughs> the leader of the icons. Yeah. Like we talked about earlier on the whole app thing where Jack takes over your night. If that's been rumored already, that's not going to be something that's just based off of nothing. We're, we're going to see Jack at some point. So, jumping to the next year, we were supposed to get another icon, a new icon, Eddie Schmidt, which was actually Jack's brother. So in the story through Jack and Eddie, they were so the, the story to be the brother, right? Yeah. So he was the brother of Jack. Um, they were born in the same place in the late. It was like the 1800s when they were born, and Eddie kind of was obsessed with 80s slasher films and always like the chainsaw wielding guys and stuff like that. And then I believe it was I think he, I think he died in like a, fi- a fire or something like that. And then from there, the story drags on through their history. Right. The point is, this is actually, like Nick said, he was scrapped. And the idea was, like, or at least from what the stories is, stories are, excuse me, is that um, because 2001, we unfortunately had to um, endure the 9-11 terror attacks. And because of that, they actually pulled him and replaced him with Jack himself. So Jack wasn't actually supposed to be at that year. It was supposed to replace with his brother, Eddie, but because of whether they just felt it was too insensitive to have a character like Eddie that year because of, you know, what we'd already gone through, they just brought Jack back, which makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I mean, it, was just, I mean, it was something that we already knew. Yeah, I mean, so I wasn't... was a kid during the, during, I mean, obviously I was just going into high school in 2001, so 
like you know i remember vividly that year everything just changed for a yeah. lot of for a lot of people so to have anything that was uber violent yeah, it kind of make a whole lot of burner. sense i mean yeah. they even changed spider-man for that movie right exactly after being replaced we did obviously get eddie sprinkled around a little bit not as much as everybody else he's been at various events whether it be in a scare zone or a house stuff like that mm-hmm. being that eddie's you know not really one of those big top tier guys i think for the icons i'm gonna say it's not likely that we get eddie here this year it just it seems like there's more story to tell on him i could see him coming back as like a full-fledged icon at some point getting his actual due but for an anniversary year getting somebody that was just kind of sprinkled in i don't i don't see it happening necessarily right well if, if, if we go by the rumor that you st- started with about there might be a texas chainsaw house i mean you've already got that point at that point you've already got a Tech, you know, chainsaw wielding maniac. Yeah. I mean, there's really no reason to have two kind of two of them basically yeah. the same character. Yeah, so it would just kind of get lost in translation. He's a great character. It's a good story that they're both kind of connected to. So it would be cool to see that story drawn out a little bit more in a different year, where you can actually get the yeah, full. I mean, who knows? Maybe down the road we'll have a house that kind of goes into how Jack and Eddie are related. Yeah, you'll have a whole house just themed around Jack the Clown and Eddie and. You know their upbringing or whatever but you know you never know yeah so going in order still we're gonna hit uh 2002 and this was when it was the islands of fear so this is where we kind of first get introduced to the caretaker so caretaker he's just this creepy old school kind of surgeony kind of it's that it's back in that time when you had doctors that visited houses he would do like house visits yeah, and stuff his like actual that. name is dr albert kane yeah so they he call was, him the caretaker yeah he was a a surgeon of some sort. It was in that victorian style uh era when everything was just creepy he made house yeah. calls yeah exactly it was just creepy on the outside <laughs> looking in essentially he always just wanted to understand more how you die and what happens when you die and stuff like that so he started to work on kind of fresh freshly dead yeah, people yeah i mean to me he's kind of like He's like a cross between Jack the Ripper and like a Jekyll Hyde type character. Yeah. So like, you know, maybe actually more along the lines of a Jekyll, a Jekyll and Hyde type character where like, you know, you had that, that doctor, but he secretly wants to, mm-hmm. you know, bring bodies and, 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 and do weird experiments and yeah. stuff like that on them. Yeah. I feel like this character is like the basis of every ghost hunter's show that I see. They, they, they bust into some old yeah, house and they're sure. like, well, this old doctor <laughs> used to work here. But wait, he used to kill people. Dun dun. Yeah, dun. and I think he worked at a. He worked in a. He, he worked or he owned a funeral home. A yeah, Kane funeral home. So that way, he kind of always had. So we always had fresh bodies, body parts to work with, and stuff like that. It's definitely it's definitely a story that it, I don't want to call it cliche, but it is cliche. Yeah. I mean, it's like you, there's how many stories have we have we yes. seen or heard or watched or read that you know it's all about like that creepy doctor that yeah. experimented on dead bodies, Jack or, the Ripper style, like right. Sweeney Todd almost. Right, right. So it's been it's been done before, but it's still kind of a cool story. He is one of the top tier icons, I would say. I would, if we're gonna get. A 30th anniversary house, which has been speculated, then I can see him for sure being in there. If there was no news on that, I would say all the stuff about Cary, Ohio, I think that would kind of lead us towards seeing the caretaker as well this year. I think, I mean, honestly, they're, going down this list, there's not going to be a lot of icons that we don't see because it's just so easy for them. They have the costumes, they have everything already lined up. This is nothing new for them. They roll them out every year. So, Honestly, we're going to get a lot of these, which I'm excited about because 
just talking about all these stories, it kind of gets you just a little bit more excited. Yeah, I mean, I think we'll, 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 we'll get to him eventually, but, like, when the fear icon was introduced, from what I've read and what I'm reading, is that he chose the caretaker as, like, one of his minions' yeah. death. So if they were to bring him back, I, I think that we'll, what we might see is that, like, not only is it going to be just, like, a, a celebration of their past, but where have these um, icons gotten to or where have they? what have they come to? So, like, you know, the last time we may have seen him was he was already he was he was he was made a minion of fear he was he was death he or he is death of the amalgamation of death so how do we go from like where do we go from there and that's where i think if they bring it back we'll we'll see it like what has he become since then yeah and another character that kind of ties in with the caretaker is cindy kane so we haven't really got to dive into her story a lot she's kind of got scrapped a little bit and put on the back burner she's the daughter of the caretaker so she has appeared at a couple house. I think she was in the. She was in a scare zone. Yeah, she was a scare zone. She was in a house, I believe, at thirteen. But other than that, we haven't really got. Yeah, I think you're right. It was um, summer. Uh, uh, Scream house revisited. Yeah. Is the house she was in? Yeah. So she, her story hasn't really been told. Kind of like how Eddie was scrapped. It just kind of got put on the back burner for whatever reason. I think during that year, just from talking to people around, I think that that was the year there was a lot of like child abductions happening, whether it be just in Florida or, or throughout the nation. So with that in the news, they were kind of like, eh, maybe we shouldn't do a, you know, little girl icon. Yeah. Children are, are, they're a tough sell yeah. when it comes to horror. It's not easy selling people on the idea of a scary child or an abducted child or, or child children that are put in harm's yeah, way, that sort of thing. Iffy, so if he subject at best, it's hard to make it work, but they probably will. I, I could see them bringing her back as more of like a, young adult at this point because it's been yeah. so many years since the last time you've heard of her so yeah. you know she could have grown up at this point yeah and funny enough you said you bring up how she's been scrapped like eddie was she also has been seen with chainsaws so yeah, yeah. i don't know something about chainsaws yeah the horror nights man they love those chainsaws just a good God. quick as long scare as they're not like last year's i'm sorry and a hot take but last year's chainsaw guys yeah absolutely like I don't understand. I didn't understand. I get it. That it was the eighties. The whole Tron chainsaw, Tron Tron saws. Yeah. I don't know the the lights and the flash. It didn't scare me. It was just so, like yeah. So for me, I don't know. Yeah. Well, all right. Let's go off topic a little bit. <laughs> just just quickly. So the Anarchade, the the intro with like the neon style stuff. Um, again, it, yeah, it wasn't scary for me, but the visuals of it, man, like there was nothing yeah, it was when I walked cool. in. When I walked in, I knew it was at Horror Nights. I liked that the chainsaw stuff that I hate, which. I understand was over by the Simpsons. It's just people in like SWAT suits with, with chainsaws, light up just chainsaws, walking around. Right. I, I, from my understanding, is that uh, with the Simpsons rights, that they don't want anything too scary, too gory yeah, around that area. I get it. Because actually, I read a story last week that this is just on the same lines. That the reason they don't do it in Island of, Islands of Adventure anymore is Harry Potter and J.K. Rowling. She doesn't want the Halloween stuff being near that in, yeah. in, in it or near it. Um, and unfortunately how ha- Islands adventure is taken up pretty much by Harry Potter. So yeah, they have they, that whole, they, they would be restricted by space. Yeah. I mean, whereas the Harry Potter on universal side is, is tucked away. In the back. It doesn't have to really be because meshed with it. I'm just saying JK, if you're listening, what would be sick is if you allowed like some Halloween esque Harry Potter stuff going on in Diagon Alley, you know, like floating pumpkins and candles and yeah. like, Dementors and stuff. Just saying, it would be kind of cool. Yeah. So apparently, on our podcast, we have Brendan Fraser and J.K. Rowling. I I am a Harry <laughs> Potter fan. 
So if she's listening, which I know she's not. But. So let's. All right, we we went off topic, but we're gonna reel it back in. So <laughs> Halloween Horror Nights 13, 2003. That's when we got introduced to our next essential new icon, which is the director. And obviously, being a film nerd, being a film major, this is kind of one of my guys that I really, really like. So I, I hope we get him back. He pairs well with another guy we're going to talk about later with the Usher. But essentially, the director, he's gone by a couple different names. I think they've changed it over the past years. But his name was like Paolo Ravinsky. But they've they've toyed with yeah, he his started name as, a little he bit. Said he was actually the first icon for Singapore. Yeah. So they've toyed with his name. Essentially, he's just kind of a um, you know a film buff. He does a lot of little snuff films, and he just films pretty much murdering people. That's really the basis of it. In I guess supposedly in 2010, like you were talking about, how fear kind of embodied um, caretaker. Yeah. Uh, fear embodies it's like a summoning demon or whatever, but he in, embodied the director as sacrifice because of you know he would sacrifice anything for the the name of art. You know, that those people like the NYC film people that are you know artists are not my typical favorite, but the act of you know having an icon as an actual movie director kind of actually stuck with me. So that's kind of why I I find myself gravitating towards him as one of my favorite icons. So for the director, because he kind of stands alone, much like Caretaker and Jack, he's not really reliant on somebody else. I would say that it's it's likely that we see him again. Whether it be, like I said, 30th anniversary house, whether it be as an overall icon, I see it happening this year. I could also maybe see him as having his own scare zone too. Kind of like last year we had the the runway, the fashion show. Vanity ball. Vanity ball type thing. You could see something like that where you have like a, a film set mock-up. Like auditions or yeah, that'd be cool. On a stage or something. That'd be cool. I, I would be interested, honestly, if these guys, these icons don't get houses. I would be all for having each one have their own themed scare zone. You can just kind of play off of that end and just give them their due there. And honestly, the scare zones are, I don't want to say more fun than the houses, but if we go and it's a night and all the lines are crazy, I can still enjoy myself just walking through scare zones, just smelling the fog and just seeing different stuff. So I could very much enjoy myself just kind of walking through all those scare yeah, zones. Yeah, the scare zones help really kind of like transform the park from a theme park to a Halloween horror-esque yeah. like attraction. It, it really does kind of change the the theme of the park. And to be honest, like, you know, for obviously living in Central Florida, everything's dominated by Disney here, but no one tops, like, no one does Halloween like Universal. Like, no. Disney has their stuff, but it's not anywhere it's near. It's, the, it's for the yeah. kids and we understand it. And it's, yeah. it's fun every now and then to you know kind of see it all themed up but you know horror nights is for us so we're gonna keep going in order in 2004 there was kind of like a big debate if there was even an actual icon they kind of list him as an insane uh insane asylum patient so we're gonna just skip past that at point because he was pretty much just a promotional deal he was just on posters so for all intents and purposes 2004 did not have an icon in our eyes jump to 2005 tales of terror that's when we get introduced to two uh, new icons. We have the Storyteller and we have the Terror Queen. So the Terror Queen, we kind of did a pretty good history about when we talked about that speculation map. So we're not going to go super in-depth on her just because we've already done that. And it seems, based off of those maps, that she's going to have her own house. 
Now, I'm not exactly sure why out of all the icons that she gets her own house and the other ones don't. But, I mean, either way, I'm for it because I'm, I'm, I'm excited regardless. But it was just an interesting pick on their end. Yeah, my guess would be it's just because they don't really have much of a background fleshed out for her. So it's kind of like an opportunity for them to really kind of go wild and do something new. Yeah. Like, I feel like if... Like the way you're talking, like with like Jack the Clown and the caretaker and the director and all these different, you know, characters, they have pretty fleshed out backgrounds. So there's only so much they're gonna be able to change with that without making all of their fans like resent them. So having a character that they've introduced in the past but not really have much of a background probably gives them a little bit more room to work with. So just coming from someone that doesn't really have a bunch of history with all these different icons, I didn't get to see a lot of these guys in action because I just haven't been at the opportunity to come to it. I think it's kind of cool that they'll have a brand new character no. to kind of work with. The storyteller one is actually pretty interesting because she ties a lot into houses and, and various Horror Nights stories. But essentially, she's just like this really old, decrepit lady. She just reads reads from her book and tells stories. She is also another one of the you know minions of fear as you know, quote unquote legend. She wrote the Terra Quintus looks like. Yeah. So she, she kind of ties in here and there. She ties into, Oh, she had a, an appearance in the legendary truth house, the Wyandotte estate. Again, something we talked about previously on one of the past episodes. So <laughs> she was in there. Yep. She also got to kind of retell the dungeon of terror. At one point, they kind of had one where it was retold and she, opened up the terror as like a tourist attraction invited guests to kind of be a part of her story. So it'd be interesting to see how they incorporate her this year. Again, I think she's one of those very standalone style icons that is going to get a nod in some way. Shape, or she form. looks like a scary grandmother. Yeah. She's terrifying. <laughs> yeah. I would not want to eat her Werther's. Uh, it looks like honestly, they have like a bunch of dudes playing her. Yeah. The makeup's really good, though. I'm looking at pictures for those. Obviously, you can't, <laughs> can't see what I'm doing. but Yeah, so going down that list, 2005 was Storyteller and Terror Queen. I think we're going to get both of those just based off of what's been speculated. Terror Queen has her house speculated, and the Storyteller is a part of two houses. We well, yeah. The... I mean, the fact that if the Storyteller is one that wrote the Terror Queen story, the Terror yeah. Crentice, then if we're going to have a Terror Crentice house, then my guess is that she will be a part of it in some way. Yeah. So going down the list now, we're at Horror Night's the Sweet 16, 2006. No new uh, icons there. So we're going through a couple of years now where we just kind of get either icons that we've already had in the past or we have some famous people from Slashers. We have Freddy Krueger, Jason, Leatherface, stuff like that. We had all those kind of fill in in some way, shape, or form. And then in, uh, what, I believe it was, going down the list, where are we, 2006, 7, 8, da, 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 da. So 2008, that's when we got the Bloody Mary icon so to speak everyone kind of knows that whole story of yeah know, this you know, one's like it's less of a universal creation i mean it is obviously their own take on it but bloody mary is a legend that if if you don't know what the bloody mary legend is um there's a ton of stuff you can read about it or, or watch about it. i mean go watch uh, Candyman because Candyman is really a play on similar, the bloody mary yeah. story the idea that if you know if someone stands in front of a mirror and says bloody mary what three three or five times she'll appear and kill you and rip you into like her dimension or whatever. But it's, it's a legend that's been around for many, many years. Um, obviously one that babysitters have used to terrify their, the children they've watched for years on end, but 
obviously Universal had their own take on her and used her as an icon that year. Yeah, and it's weird. There, there's some weird licensing issue with Bloody Mary. I'm not sure who owns like an urban legend story, but there was something going on with Universal and whoever owned the licensing that I don't think really allowed it after that point. So just based on that fact, I'm just, I, I'm not we're not going to see Bloody Mary at this event. I don't think. Um, if this is going to be a strong icon year, or, you know, a 30 anniversary, Bloody Mary doesn't stick out as one of those, you know, prominent figures. No, I mean, she's she's obviously a well-known character and a legend, but that's why I think that going back to what we talked about a couple episodes ago, when we brought up, when we discussed the Candyman house, or possibility of a Candyman house, uh, I think it was last last episode, actually. Yeah. Um, Candyman could kind of play that role of Bloody Mary. He's not Bloody Mary, but if you've ever watched the movie, which I would Same suggest, story. go back and watch it. I actually just went back and watched it again this past week. It's on it's on Netflix, and you forget how good of a movie, how good of a horror movie it is, and how it really took at the time a lot of what we considered horror tropes and turned them on their heads. And it really takes this Bloody Mary story in a different direction. Um, and it also had a lot to say about, you know, the time, you know, the current events at the time and everything else. And actually still really, really relatable to today. Um, but that's kind of where I think that if they're going to bring her back, they're going to bring her back as in the guise of more of a of a Candyman house or zone or something. Yeah. So the next icon we're going to go through is the Usher, who I kind of mentioned earlier with the director. Now, these two don't go hand in hand all the time, but for me, you know, you have the director of the movie, you have the Usher from the movie theater. It makes perfect sense to introduce them together. Again, just being like a movie-style buff, fan, whatever, again, he kind of fell into my my interest, I'd say. Yeah, he's kind of like that creepy 19, like early 1900s, like, Obviously, well, he's called the usher. He's a movie usher, theater usher. You know, at the time, again, like most most of our listeners probably don't know what an usher really is yeah, or did. No. But in, th- in theater, um, even today, in theater, ushers are the people that like help you get to your seat, yeah. or they help you find where you got to go when you're in the theater. Obviously, with movies today, you don't really have that anymore. But no, no. Um, he has that kind of look. I mean, if you if you want to think of it along the Disney realm, he kind of looks like the cast members that work in Tower, Tower of Terror. Yeah. Oh yeah. They kind of give you that vibe. That's exactly how I was thinking. But essentially, his backstory is he's just he's from the 1920s. He works at a movie theater and he hates like rude rude people it's the customer service <laughs> i mean thing. i'm pretty sure everybody that's ever worked yeah. in retail or in customer yeah. service some way yeah. can I relate wish, to him i wish i could be the usher at times <laughs> oh you don't like that drink i'm gonna destroy you with sandbags <laughs> essentially is what he did so one of the time the, one of the stories i guess was that you know there was a rude customer he grabbed his flashlight threw it through the screen there was a scuffle and he ends up pulling you know, back in the in theater aspect, they have big sandbags that yep. hang on top to kind of play as a counterweight. Yep. And he kind of released one of those and crushed the dude. So <laughs> that's always kind of been on my mind. Which um, is actually, I mean, not to sidetrack you, but what's interesting about that whole idea is that he was watching the re-release of one of his favorite t- films of all time, The Fan of the Opera, starring Lon Chaney Sr. Yep. They actually got the inspiration for Jack the Clown from a Lon Chaney quote, mm. who said something about, like, the word, the scariest thing is a clown by moonlight or something along yeah. those lines. But, like, they, it's, it's a nice little tie-in there from mm. the original icon. Yeah, so you can tell the guys that kind of create these characters definitely pull 
from a lot of the same source material. Yeah, they're fans. I mean, yeah. you can definitely tell they're fans. No. So he's also an, uh, one of those minions of fear. He kind of embodies vengeance, which, again, makes sense because he is very vengeful towards people that break the rules, that are rude, you know, just people that kind of deserve to get punched in the face every now and then. Like I said, he's the subconscious of every single person that's ever worked with re- in retail yeah, or service. Yeah, if, if you have to deal with the general public, this is kind of your guy. Going back now through the years, we were in 2008, 2009. So in 2010, we kind of get introduced finally to fear, that you know embodiment of, of fear where he had those little little minions so to speak uh, this was 10 years ago too so yeah. 2010 so we're kind of we're kind of creeping our way towards the the present if you're seeing a pattern though yeah. 2010 so the reason i'm saying that is like obviously 2000 was our first icon mm-hmm. jack 2010 was fear who kind of brought all of the icons together yeah, yeah. In, in a way and now we're going into into 30 years so you know there's a chance we could see a new icon yeah i mean it would be. It wouldn't surprise me if we did get a new icon. I would. I'd be all for it, just because I. I love having all these like little options. Mm-hmm. So essentially, fear is just kind of this embodiment, like we talked about. He kind of herald these different people to come with him, and he just kind of oversaw them. So we had Jack the Clown. He kind of represented chaos. Caretaker was for death. The director was sacrifice. The storyteller was legend, and the usher was vengeance. So fear kind of was just that overall lurking figure that brought all of these little minions creatures all these icons together and just released them on us at that event now do i think we're gonna get fear back for the 30th i don't think so so with fear not really being one of those super well-established icons i would say that it's not likely that we're gonna see him this year you know, he brings all these like little minions and all the other icons to us, but I just don't see it happening that he appears. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it, it, we, we were just talking before this whole thing really started was that, you know, what is the theme going to be? I mean, it could be like last year, you have like an overarching 80s theme, you have an overarching 90s theme this year or something along those lines. But like I said, too, that I think there's a chance that we could see the icons kind of be that theme and not just be that you know, we have a few houses or a house here or there or a scare zone that just encompasses the icons. It could just be that because it's the 30th that they do an overall theming of the whole event regarding just, you know, the icons themselves. And if that was the case, I mean, I don't necessarily see them not using fear. I mean, fear has kind of become that amalgamation where he said, all right, you're all mom, my minions. Mm-hmm. He could kind of be that overarching theme. You may not see him directly in any way, yeah. but they could find some way of tying it in. He could be just like as the, a part of the story. You might not right. see him, but like you said before the advertising. Yeah. It might be, you know, fear has brought us here. Or right. You know, exactly. Like he's released, you know, you know, 30 years of fear and this, right. he's been behind it this whole time. I could see that right. kind of happening, but other than that, I don't think they're going to kind of dive into fear much more than that. So then the next year, we get to Horror Nights 21, Lucky 21, Blackjack. So in 2011, we are introduced to Lady Luck. So it's been a while since we kind of got you know a full new icon. Again, we were introduced to fear the previous year, but his story kind of intertwined with a lot of the other ones. Whereas Lady Luck here is kind of a new style of icon you know she's actually like a pretty attractive woman it's just she's a succubus yeah it's it's, it's different than you know no one's gonna be attracted to the storyteller <laughs> right right i mean if 
Um, we're not going to go into it, but I'm sure everyone that's listening knows what a succubus does and is. Yeah, <laughs> yeah they, they they slowly they slowly lure you in with their looks and kind of take what they want yeah, I and mean, get it's, from there. Yeah, <laughs> at least our male, the male population knows yeah. what a succubus is. So she's appeared starting in 21. She appeared a couple more times, I believe, after that. But she was never a super, super prominent. You know, her story isn't as, you know, her backstory isn't as in-depth as all the other ones just because she hasn't been around as long. So I don't think that we're going to see Lady Luck actually in any sort of prominent related, capacity. I mean, she's she is related to the Shadybrook Rest Home and sanita- Sanitarium where Jack was born. Yeah. So they do kind of tie her in that way. Mm-hmm. Um, from, what I, from what I've read that... A year after the Shady Book rest home closed, a prisoner named Floyd Mercer hung himself, and he left behind a notebook full of quotes about just luck and like luck itself, like you know, I have luck, you have luck, bad luck, good luck, that type of stuff. Um, it turns out he was the only known person to ever gamble with Lady Luck herself and survive. Um, so I like the idea that they're taking the traditional story of a succubus and then rather doing what they normally do, <laughs> they've kind of turned it into. Um, the idea of playing your luck and whether that's gambling or, you know, gambling with your life and that sort of thing. And whether you, no. whether you lose or win, you're winning against the demon lady luck. Yeah. Which I think to me is kind of cool. Uh, so her story is definitely inter- uh, interesting. It's just a matter of diving in a little bit more. It kind of falls into that Eddie, that Cindy Kane kind of thing for me, whereas she just might not be as. If she's a one-off, I don't think you'll see her much this year, for this this yeah. year. Yeah. I mean, they'd have to probably like not saying they they couldn't do it, but you're going. I mean, if you're gonna go, if you're doing your thirtieth anniversary, taking an off year icon. Yeah, you need you your heavy hitters. Once, you need your heavy hitters. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So following Lady Luck, we kind of took a little break from icons. We had 2012, 2013, 2014 with no icons, and then 2015 were brought back to Jack. Now, finally, in 26, this was uh, 2016, I believe it was, Mm -hmm. we um, finally got another new one. So we got introduced to Chance, who, when we were talking about Jack, kind of referenced that Joker-Harley Quinn relationship. You can tell just by looking at her, she's very... So she's very much the Harley Quinn to Jack the Clown's Joker. Very Harley Quinn inspired. She's got, you know, the pigtails, the makeup, that like burlesque style outfit. She's very fitting. And, you know, when you see her, it's very reminiscent to that Harley Quinn style character. So being that she's only been around for a couple of years at this point, she hasn't really appeared too, too much past that. I I love the character, and I think because of just how much she's tied to Jack, I, and and overall just how popular I think she was, I think that if we see Jack, we're gonna see Chance. I know that this is kind of straying from the path of the point that we kind of made with Eddie and Cindy and all them, where oh, if they're not around that much, we don't really need to bring them in on the thirtieth. But I think because of how well she ties in with Jack's story. And his whole carnival style theme. I think if we see one, we're we're gonna see the other one in some capacity. Yeah, I mean, I could see that Jack and her play host to this yep. year's event. So like, you'll see them in, in a scare zone when you first get in there, or they might have their own house if they do look at like an icon house. Um, but I think they these two will kind of be like the host yeah. for this year. Yeah, they definitely coincide with one another, and I could see them on the either on a stage or you know if we're talking. 
that entrance over by Rip Ride Rocket. I could see them filming a lot of vignettes with the two of them kind mm-hmm. of advertising yep. and, and talking about the event and stuff like that. So that kind of ran us all the way through all of the icons, so to speak. I know we kind of bounced around a little bit here and there, but we just wanted to kind of touch a little bit on each of them, not too crazy. One thing to keep in mind, we're, we're talking specifically from like an Orlando perspective. Yeah. Now, there may have been icons at Hollywood or in Singapore or other, you know, the other locations, but from our point of view is specifically from Orlando. Yeah. There, like I said, there, there could very well be icons that we didn't cover that started in, in Hollywood and have only been really in Hollywood or just in Singapore or whatever that we might see in Orlando Yeah, as, like, as like a new icon here. You never know. I know that with like, like in 2011, Ghostface was in Hollywood, but it wasn't here mm-hmm. in Orlando. Um, Ghostface being the killer from Scream. Yeah. Um, so you never know. Just going through those, I mean, I think there is a handful of them that we're going to be seeing again this year. Just to kind of run down the list quickly, I, I think we see Crypt Keeper. I'm like, I would say 100% we're going to see Jack the Clown. And because we're going to see Jack, I think we're going to see Chance. Chance. I think that they just go those hand Those probably hand. will be the, from my point of view, the Crypt Keeper is def, almost a definite if they stick with Dungeons of Terror house. Yep. I think he'll be related to that in some way, probably. Um, as far as the icons are concerned, Jack and Chance for sure. And I think you're going to see the director, the usher, and... The caretaker. Uh, yeah. yeah. Now, again, like we had said before, going through the speculation maps with the Terra Crentis house being a potential house, mm-hmm. then you're probably going to see, gonna the, see Terra the storyteller and the yeah. Terra Queen too. But yeah. I, think, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I'm interested because I've never seen any of them up and close and personal. So. Yeah. I mean, there's a handful here that I haven't seen as well just from, you know, kind of missing... The, some of the previous anniversary years and their incarceration years that I just, I would love to get these together. So are we going to see them in a scare zone? Are we going to see them in a house? I guess the rumor is that there is a 30th anniversary house. That's going to be over by the men in black tent, which was the house of a thousand corpses last year. So I wouldn't go and say that that's like a marquee location per se. No, it's kind of hidden in the back. Yeah. But the way that they did House of a Thousand Corpses last year, the room, there, there's a lot of space for them to work with. It's a lot bigger once you get in. There's, It seems like smaller rooms, but a lot Yeah, and more the thing rooms. is, like, your, your big draw doesn't necessarily have to be in the front of the park. I mean, no. yeah. probably, they'll probably stick Beetlejuice where Ghostbusters was, like you said, I think, last mm-hmm. week. Um, but that doesn't mean they can't say, you know, have their entire, have a big, like, like icon scare zone right in front of Men in Black in that little, that little yeah. corner of the park and then have the house be behind it. Yeah, so I'm, I'm really interested. I know with the speculation maps, they kind of placed houses in certain areas, and I haven't really looked too in-depth as to which houses are where and, and whatnot. Typically, that your big draw is right up front by Rip Ride, uh, Rip Ride Rockets that way. That just gives you the most space to form those queue lines. Which yeah, I, we I might feel not like, even see this year. I think, at least just from my experience last year, and I'm sure it's happened in the past, is I, I think they do their original stories a disservice by sticking them in some like back house the corners, in the back yeah. lot, like they did with the um, underwater one Depths last of year, fear. Depths of Fear, where I yeah. feel like it was a really interesting house and with interest, yeah, nightingales with interesting characters, and it's buried in the back, and not as many people go through it. I mean, yeah. we could get, we went on opening night and we walked into Depths of Fear, yeah, ten minute wait. But the Stranger Things one had a three hour wait or two yeah, hour wait. It was ridiculous. Like I mean, I get it. That's what those IPs do. They kind of yeah, draw the that's crowd. That's what they're that's what they're for. Which is good that you know the actual general Halloween Horror Night fans kind of really go towards or gravitate towards their originals because there's less people like us that 
you know, care to wait. You know, I'd rather wait the 20 minutes or so for something like that. And that's taking into account that we obviously have the ability to go more than once. I mean, if obviously we can only go one or two a night, then obviously you're going to do the big ones because you want to see those IPs. But I think that just about wraps it up for this week's episode. We just kind of hit on those icons a little bit. And hopefully the next time you hear us, we're going to actually have some Horror Nights news. Actual stuff. Yeah, let's drop. Fingers crossed because... From what I've, what I'm guessing is at this point because they haven't kind of said anything yet, I'm thinking they're just gonna release it all at once. Probably. So when that does, what I'd like to do is like if it's like a if it's a video or something like that, I'm gonna try to hold off on watching it so that we can record and we can react initial it, reactions. Yeah. So we're gonna try and plan that out. So as soon as the news drops, instead of dropping an episode on a Friday, if they put this news out on a Wednesday, we're gonna get it yep. out as fast as we can, just so we can kind of get initial reactions because I know I can't. You know, keep my hand out of the cookie jar. I can't. I can't right. wait it's three hard. days knowing it's, that something's it's, out there. It's hard not to to not want to see it. Yeah. But. but in an ideal world, what I'm going to try and do is initial reactions on this podcast, and we'll drop that on whatever day we we get to it. So uh, before we sign off, anything in just in horror in general you've watched or read that you want to recommend? Um, nothing too crazy. I just got the lighthouse on dvd i got invisible man on online i think like a vod style thing so i've just been kind of re-watching some of those that i saw in theaters kind of before theater shut down and trying to work my way back up to it also for those that are are local well not that it really matters now because when we put this out yeah, <laughs> it's gonna be past yeah, it actually won't matter <laughs> but there's a really cool movie theater up in Maitland, I think it's called the Enzian Theater. They're doing mm-hmm. all Alfred Hitchcock movies next week, so I got yeah, tickets. But it's actually a good place to know because like Nick actually brought me last year. They do a bunch of like old Halloween horror movies during the month of October. Yep. They do a bunch of old classics. So if you're in the Central Florida area, definitely yeah. a place to check out. The Enzian Theater, a lot of really cool stuff. Um, but yeah, I'm gonna go see the Birds. I'm gonna go see Psycho. But they're also playing like Vertigo and Rearview mm. and stuff like that. And yep. Like I said, last year when we took, we went to go see Chopping Mall and yeah. we saw Nightmare on Elm Street 2. If you haven't seen, yeah, go please, see Chopping Mall. please go watch Chopping Mall. Yeah, it's amazing. That should be a house. Yeah, I mean, I, this is this is a little bit older, but I just I did just happen to watch um, these two movies that were released on Netflix. I don't know if they were released anywhere else, but they star Mark Duplass. And if you've watched the show The League about fantasy football, Mark Duplass is a pretty funny comedic actor. Well, he plays this crazed psycho essentially is what he is in these two movies called creep and creep two now they seem stupid they are found footage i know how people everyone feels about found footage movies but if if you take the chance to watch both of them i think they're both still on netflix they are deeply unsettling (laughs) deeply unsettling movies and like i said before i'm not someone that scares easily i've been so desensitized to horror movies that like traditional gore and all that stuff doesn't really scare me i just kind of watch it for the nostalgia factor of just watching horror movies i need i need something that deeply unsettles me and mark duplass plays a deeply unsettling character so creep creep two, go check them out if, other than that um the vhs movies if you haven't watched them again found footage movies but they're good good representations of found footage um so i definitely think you should go check those out if you haven't already all right guys well thanks for listening along this week for the fear and beer podcast we will see you next friday hopefully like we said with some more news but until then this is nick and this is seamus happy haunts everyone
And again, I would just like to thank Vampire Stepdad for letting us use his music for our intro and outro music. So if you would, just go check him out, Spotify, Facebook. Again, that is Vampire Stepdad.